Hello everyone, this is Tony Skaggs, your host of Tapa Talks, and today I'm very happy to be speaking with Monica Ward and Katie DeLucia. They are respectively the chair and vice chair of the Tapa Legislative Affairs Committee. Monica earned her master's in physician assistant studies from Texas Tech University in 2009. After graduation, she began her PA career practicing family medicine at Baylor Scott & White Health in Darwin, Texas. Currently, she works as the Director of Advanced Practice Professionals for Baylor Scott & White Health Texas Provider Network in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. One of her primary responsibilities involves facilitating communication leadership development workshops within this organization. She has served on the TAPA Board of Directors since 2014, which among many things included carrying out the duties of Secretary and Chief Delegate for the AAPA House of Delegates. Katie graduated from St. Francis University in rural central Pennsylvania in 2004 with a master's in physician assistant studies. After graduation, she accepted a position in the Department of Surgical Oncology at MD Anderson within the Division of Surgery. In 2018, Katie joined the Office of PA Programs. She is a director of advanced practice and leads PA training education programs as well as advanced practice provider workforce education and development. She practices weekly in surgical oncology and managing her patients' vascular access needs. She is a very active member of our Texas Academy of PAs. But before we get started, we'd like to thank our episode sponsor, hcv.com, presented by Abbey Medical Affairs. Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Katie and Monica. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Glad to be here. So the Texas Legislative Affairs Committee has a chair and vice chair. This is kind of unique for the TAPA committees, isn't it? Could you tell me a little bit about this leadership structure? Yeah, Tony. So this is the first year that the Legislative Affairs Committee in TAPA has a chair and now a vice chair. And the concept was that we needed to essentially create some continuity across chairs, build a viable succession plan. We know that advocating for our profession in Texas, it's a long game. And so by having the addition of a vice chair who works hip to hip with our chair, we hope to kind of create some memory and history so that we can continue to kind of move the needle forward legislatively for PAs in Texas. So is the plan right now, you mentioned kind of that continuity when maybe Monica leaves, are you going to move into the chair position and that's just going to kind of roll that way? Yeah, that's our plan. And I have to give Monica credit because this was her very smart and strategic vision when it came to building this advocacy work for us as Texas PAs. I mean, I will say when uh, Ryan approached me to be LAC chair, I told him, hey, I, I need a vice chair. And there's only one person that I'm going to call, and her name is Katie. So I, I definitely, you know, when we went forth with this, I think we've seen how grassroots really makes things happen. And it's hard when you're one person leading a committee, it's a lot of work. So we really have found it to be a great partnership and building that succession planning where Katie will become chair in July when I become president-elect. So it'll be, and then the next generation comes behind. And I think especially, I, I, Katie, you probably feel the same way, the Legislative Affairs Committee, since we only have session every two years in Texas, there's a lot of historical information that you need to really kind of understand and pass along. And so having that sort of vice chair, chair relationship allows for the vice chair to be involved in those conversations and understand that historical context as it plays into the next session. 
So that was also a really great way to make sure that the information was making its way throughout the years, because lots of these bills or different objectives that we're trying to accomplish have been years that we have been trying to accomplish them. And it's a long game. So now I know we kind of commented back and forth on this on our emails and stuff like that, but I definitely would like to get a little bit of an idea about your PA journey and how you kind of got to where you are right now. Well, I was born and no, I was kidding. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, interestingly enough, I always joke, I'm a New Yorker by birth. And so when I was working in Washington, D.C. as an athletic trainer and teaching high school, I knew I wanted to become a PA and I just had this deep in my heart love for Texas. Can't really explain it. Just it was there and applied to multiple different schools in Texas and ended up going to Texas Tech um, in Midland, Texas, which is where the program's located. So came to Texas as a newbie and fell in love with the state and did my clinical rotations in El Paso with some of the kindest, sweetest people I've ever met. And then ended up staying because, you know, Texas grows on you. And came here to Dallas, Texas to interview. Had only been here once before in my life. Interviewed with the job that I took 13 years ago with a fantastic physician in um, North Garland in family practice and have been with this same company ever since and practiced family practice for five years and then actually went into leadership. Not what I was planning on doing, not what I even trained to do necessarily as a clinical PA and was such a blessing and such an opportunity that I was able to go into leadership here at Health Texas Provider Network and Baylor Scott and & White and now um, have been in this role for almost nine years in APP leadership and couldn't be more grateful for the opportunity. So, you know, not always what you think your journey is going to be, but have just said yes, said yes to Texas, said yes to Baylor Scott and White, then said yes to leadership. And here we are and honored and blessed every day. I, I mean, I heard everything you said, but I'm still trying to wrap my head around a New Yorker who fell in love with Texas and moved here. Well, you know. Wow. <laughs> That is something. What happens? That's and then you fall in love with a Texan and you marry him and then you can never leave. So yeah. here we are. And Katie, how about your uh, your PA journey? Well, I think what's funny is that you're going to find out that maybe Monica and I are sisters from another mister because we have some, some similarities in our story. I too am not a native Texan, but I joke and say I just got here as soon as I could. And so I'm from Western Maryland originally and a very rural area. I'm from a family of medical professionals, except for my sweet mother, who is a better person than I and is a, a former elementary school teacher. But what I learned from being in a family of medical professionals is what I didn't really want to choose as far as my profession of choice. I wasn't quite ready to commit to an area of specialty. If, if I went to med school and became a physician, I'm a, I like flexibility and um, kind of fitting a need, fitting a gap. I, my, both my aunts are nurses and I wasn't too terribly keen on bedside nursing. And so um, through all of that, I found the PA profession and I actually went to PA school also in a rural community in central Pennsylvania. And then when I was graduating from PA school and trying to find a job, I just wasn't finding exactly what I wanted back home. And so my aunt, the, the great nurse that she is said, you should 
look at MD Anderson in um, Texas. It's a great place to work, has a lot of PAs, nurse practitioners, because I really wanted to be mentored. And so I came down, I got a position in uh, surgical oncology uh, at MD Anderson, had a five-year plan, put this great name on my resume and moved back home. At that point, my then fiance, now husband, came down with me and like Monica, the mission of MD Anderson is certainly an easy one to get behind and its culture is absolutely incredible. Um, and it is a great supportive place to work as a PA. And Aaron and I, my husband and I love Texas, love the people, generous, good-hearted people. And we stayed and now we're raising our family here and kind of the same thing. I don't say no to a lot of things, particularly around PA practice. And I just kind of happened into leadership and that kind of collegial leadership with other PAs and nurse practitioners at MD Anderson has really been more valuable than I even anticipated. And so I know in the intro, we, we discussed what both of you are doing right now. And, and I am kind of curious, you know, and also you have the Legislative Affairs Committee, just kind of on a daily basis, what does your day look like? And how much time do you end up, and maybe daily or weekly, do you devote to the LAC? Well, you know, Tony, isn't that isn't that an interesting question? It depends on the if we're in legislative session or not, for sure, because we're all busier during legislative session. You know, I think that, and I know Katie feels the same way, in our roles around in, in administration as PAs, right, and PA leadership, APRN leadership, there's a lot of developing strategy and vision and, and and trying to advance the professions and really highlight the value that we're bringing to the table. And I think we're both very fortunate to work for great companies who see the value that PAs and APRNs bring to the table and have allowed us to go into positions and, and really see the value of APPs in administration, especially PAs, to really be able to elevate that practice and to really make an impact on our patients. So I think when opportunities in TAPA so come up, it very well complements the work that we're doing every day. And it gives us a network of fellow leaders um, in the profession, fellow leaders in organizations such as ours, that it really is a great opportunity for us to develop professionally, but also to be able to bring value to our roles in our respective organizations. So like Katie had said for herself and myself, you know, we don't say no to much, which can be a challenge because we're both working moms and have demanding jobs. And that's that's good. And we also you know, that is some of the reason we structured things certain ways and some of the ways that we've tried to bring forward how we've handled in legislative session, because it can be, you know, there's always more work, as I say, there's always more work, you can always be doing more things. It really is prioritizing the right things and the most important things. So the time can fluctuate, I would say, you know, it might be five to 10 hours a week depending if it's in legislative session, out of legislative session, maybe it's a little less, you know, maybe it's two to five hours a week. And that's kind of been my journey with TAPA, how much it's fluctuated or been involved. But let me say that even with that time, the reward for that time with community, with advocacy, with the impact that we can make 
for our profession and especially for our patients is that reaping back sevenfold. I mean, it's, it's well worth it. Yeah. And I will say that the skills that I have acquired being a working mom, and I think Monica probably feels this too, right? They create a built-in triage system so that we can, you know, kind of stay laser focused on where we are and where we want to be. And so I think those skills of being a working mom, being a leader have really helped us. The other thing about being a, a working mom is we know that having a community around us allows us to be mm -hmm. successful. So part of, you know, we talked a bit about succession planning and this concept of chair, vice chair. The other layer of this now that we have within the LAC is that we've built teams around bills where PAs have a particular area of passion or it really touches their clinical practice. And so what we're doing there too is we're um, hopefully folks are feeling that they can be empowered to be leaders, right? They might not have the title of chair or vice chair. They're empowered to be leaders. so They can do the good committee work that's going to help us advance all of our legislative priorities. So it's a really, it's a team, medicine is a team sport and holy moly, so is advocacy. 100%. And I know uh, Monica mentioned that she kind of dragged Katie into this, if I understand the same way here correctly. Okay. It only took great conversations. <laughs> so did you meet each other through uh, through TAPA? Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. So there there was recently a uh, TAPA EA day at the Texas Capitol, like uh, just last month. Can you maybe give us a, kind of a summary of how it went? It was fun and super yeah. Um, I think so. I'm totally biased here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, we had over 150 folks there at the Capitol knocking on legislators' doors and telling them about how PAs can provide high-quality care to our patients, to the citizens of Texas. It was a really great event and allowed us to introduce our legislative priorities for this session and kind of tell the PA story about how we can kind of make a positive impact and the why behind those uh, legislative priorities. Yeah, it was such a phenomenal day. I mean, I totally, and Katie and I were so excited about the turnout. We've never had that many PAs and PA students show up for PA Day at the Capitol. And we actually split teams up, you know, and had different people leading those teams. I, I think another really phenomenal thing that we've seen, like Katie said, we've been very intentional. We want to create space for leaders to step up and then empower them. And we had so many people step up, past presidents of TAPA, current LAC members, past LAC chairs, LAC members, people who have wonderful history with this organization, have worked very hard to bring it to where it is today and are still willing, would God bless them, to step forward and to be involved and really kind of bring that next generation. We had an entire, we had like 50 or 60 PA students, right? So this next generation, and it's really important to get them involved soon when they're in school to understand that this is the process and this is how laws are made and how their practice is established and what that could look like. So. It was really a wonderful thing to see. Yeah. And so many people stepped up. Katie and I, I'm sure, are biased. And we also feel like we just, the PA profession, man, especially in Texas, like they are willing to step up. Their voices are heard. 
the impact we have on our patients is seen. I mean, you'll see a patient in Texas all the time. They're coming up. Oh, man, I saw my PA. You know, they're amazing. And so it's really heartwarming to just be a part of a profession that is so passionate for advocacy. Yeah, I was there. I mean, uh, I, I joined everybody. Uh, that was something. And by the way, that Capitol building is big, okay? And it's like, the, it's amazing the size of it. I don't know how much of it's underground or whatnot, but golly. And I also did have, uh, I had students with me. And, you know, it was, I, and, and I mean this as a compliment, it was chaotic, right? But uh, <laughs> it was chaotic in the best possible way. And of course, it was very crowded there that day, but... You know, and I, and I have a feeling it was very similar to the way, you know, state, national, whatever government, but you really get a feeling for the way, you know, at least at that level, government works, right? Mm-hmm. And the fact that those representatives and so forth are, you know, you can you can approach them, but I did actually meet with a representative, and that was fantastic. You know, just the fact that he represented me, you know, and yeah. and uh, to be able to sit down with him, and we had a very long conversation. It was He was very engaged. And I was talking to a PA yesterday that I just met by, just just happened. And uh, there is the profession, the seeing patients, and there there's also that again, not to beat a dead horse here, but the advocacy for our profession. Okay. You know the things that happen to us extrinsically. That if we do not take control of those things, it will impact the way we can see patients. I don't think people, most PAs, especially coming right out of school, understand that. That things like, for example, the well, we'll talk about the uh, what we yeah. what you advocated for, but it, it impacts the way we see patients. And to that point, what particular legislative actions uh, did uh, we advocate for on the Hill this time? Wow, I'll hit two bills and I'll let Katie hit the others. So we have four legislative priorities this session, and TAPA LAC. Every year, we survey our members, we find out what matters to them, what they're hearing, what they're feeling, right? And then we look through that, we discuss it with our lobbyist team, with our board of directors, and then we decide kind of prioritization. What are we going to go for? And so this year we've got four. So the first one is PA practice management, which in a nutshell is today a PA can own a minority stake in a medical practice, so 49% or less. However, you invest your monies and you are unable to be involved in the management of that practice, i.e. you borrow money from a bank, they ask you to be a fiduciary of that money, you cannot exercise that right, doing things like deciding which EMR that you're going to use, or, you know, two-ply or three-ply, I don't know, what would you like? You are unable to be involved in that side of the business. So we are seeking no scope of practice increase. We're not seeking even to be able to own a larger percentage of the medical practice. We are seeking to be able to direct the use of the funds for which we have invested in a practice. And what we are finding continually throughout the state is that there are PAs that are in areas, especially rural or areas of need, and they want to invest. They want to open practices with their physician colleagues. They have physicians who want them to be investors with them. And these would benefit patients in those communities. And it is very difficult to invest your monies and not have a say in how it is used. So that's our first legislative priority. And that bill is filed. It actually, as of today, was just referred 
to the public health committee for the house. And so that's wonderful. And we look forward to having a hearing soon to talk about that bill and to bring some testimony forward. And that bill number, it'll be in the show notes. We'll have kind of the link to the TAPA page, but it's HB 2882, sponsored by Representative Cortez. So we're excited for that. That's our first legislative priority. That is actually one that we've introduced for two sessions. This will be the third session that we're reintroducing. A new priority that we've never introduced before is the creation of a self-governing Texas PA board. And that is filed as well. It's HB 4028 with Representative Plessa. And what that means is today, the Texas PA board is an advisory board to the medical board. And so we are asking to have the board become self-governing instead of being an advisory board. Now, what that also means is it does not change the makeup of the board. It would still have PAs, it would still have physician members and public members as it is today. And the chair is a PA, it would continue obviously to stay that way. Instead, an independent separate board, or I should say a self-governing board, would enable us to propose and adopt our own rules and not have to take that through another board, right, that isn't our profession. And we also have physicians represented on our current PA board. So that is one that is new this session that we felt like we're at a place in time where that is important for our profession to be able to be self-governing. And we're excited for that as well to be referred. It has not yet, uh, but we're excited that it will be soon so that we can uh, have the same thing around testimony and conversation with the Public Health Committee. We'd like to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor, HCV.com, presented by AdV Medical Affairs. HCV.com is a comprehensive website for healthcare professionals about HCV or the hepatitis C virus. Designed by AdV U.S. Medical Affairs to provide you with education and resources all in one place. Learn how chronic hepatitis C is diagnosed and treated with comprehensive guides and quickly accessed go-to references at hcv.com. So we have two other bills, and the first is our Schedule II Prescriptive Authority, which essentially allows a PA in Texas to prescribe fully to their training across all clinical settings. So right now in Texas, the statute limits the prescribing and ordering of Schedule II medications um, by a PA to very limited settings. Kind of what we've seen there and the impact of that is it kind of disrupts continuity of care for our patients, particularly when transitioning them from inpatient where we are able to order Schedule II medications and then moving over to the outpatient ambulatory setting. This is a bill that um, also has been previously submitted. Um, I think this will be the third session that uh, we're submitting it. And that bill, the Schedule II bill, uh, HB 1190, is sponsored by uh, Chairwoman Click, who chairs our public health committee in the House in Texas. She is also a nurse by training. The second bill that I'm going to talk about is our PA 
interstate license compact bill. And so this is a new one. You know, if, if we are all familiar with interstate medical licensing compacts, for example, nurses have had longstanding interstate compacts. And then just last session, our physician colleagues um, actually passed an interstate medical licensing compact here in the state of Texas. So to ensure that we have parity across those professions, we have submitted this new model language that the American Academy of PAs in partnership with the Federation of uh, State Medical Boards created collaboratively. And what it's going to allow us to do as PAs is to essentially be able, um, with those states that are participating compact states, we can do, we can obtain a license in states outside of Texas without kind of this additional regulatory burden and cost. So it helps to create a bit more of an efficient process when it comes to our licensing practices as PAs across state lines. I work in Houston. We have a whole heck of a lot of patients in Louisiana. I would love to be able to provide telehealth to those folks so they don't have to, you know, make the trek over to Houston. And so that bill is sponsored by Vice Chairwoman Liz Campos, and its bill number is HB 2544. That's a lot of great information because that actually answers like all my list of questions that I was hoping to ask everybody. So, you know, maybe individually, is there anything interesting about how each bill was received or or would you be willing to speak to how the process is going or how they went with each bill, if possible? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I think that the Schedule 2 and the practice management, we've been pursuing, this is now the third legislative session. And so we're hopeful, you know, sometimes you have to tell a story a few times, right? Don't they say an adult has to hear something like seven times till we remember it? So sometimes you have to tell those stories again and again and build coalitions of people who understand and who are willing to come forward to tell stories. And I do think as well, some of these bills, the environment has had to be right. When you talk about Schedule II medications, they can be some medications that can cause some concern depending on the medication. So you need to have the ability to have safeguards and prescribing limits and the PMP, the prescription monitoring program being up and active and working and all those things. So sometimes it's the environment. And I think when I think about, and I'll let Katie talk about the compact bill, you know, when I think about the self-governing board for PAs, Sometimes something happens, right, that brings these things about and we think, oh, gosh, we didn't quite think about that, but now we're seeing it. And, you know, in the past for us, we have had issues come forward for PAs, right? And it maybe wasn't around PAs originally, but the medical board was considering something that might have an impact on PAs. And we really kind of saw the value of having the PA board be able to propose and adopt its own rules for their profession to ensure that if rules were being proposed or looked upon, then the PA profession was just, you know, there to be able to give their perspective on how this could impact access to our patients or delay care in any way. And so I think that for us definitely brought that to the forefront. And and I think that it's something that is definite. Katie mentioned it professional parity there. You know, there's other, many other professions in the state of Texas that have their own self-governing board. 
And so this is something that I think is a very natural evolution for the PAs as well. You know, I did not mention actually, which I probably should have, that our Schedule 2 bill actually had a hearing yesterday, a committee hearing, public health committee in the House. And, you know, I think it's a narrative that all PAs are are kind of hearing about this concept from physician organizations and groups of stop the scope creep, which is one that, you know, I really don't think is an effective way for us to address the long list of patient needs. And certainly not effective, but it is one that I think legislators, when these groups come up to testify and, you know, choose to kind of cherry pick data and studies, that does create a bit of emotion in those legislators because they too are rooted in ensuring that Texas citizens are safe, that they're receiving quality care. So I think, you know, as far as also thinking critically about that particular narrative, that is a place where we need grassroots and we need people to mobilize PAs, patients, physician partners to mobilize and reach out to their legislators, in particular, if they happen to be on these key committees like public health, and really say, hey, we know this narrative, we've heard it before, but this is really what we bring to the table. This is the value that we're bringing to the table for our patients and their caregivers. And, you know, for something like the uh, compact license, which has also been referred to committee, looking forward to testifying on that soon, you know, that allows us to provide care across state lines and further expand uh, healthcare access to patients, improve efficiency, decrease cost. I can tell you the Texas Medical Center has some high parking costs for our patients. So um, I think those are the things that we know and have an idea of what the opposition is going to say, but we need to keep that kind of positive light around what PAs really do in real life for our patients. You know, I kind of joke, but don't joke that, you know, the first time I went to DC with APA, I was bit by the advocacy bug. And I think that this is exactly why I do what I do today, because I've seen the impact of advocating for what is good and what is right, or, you know, advocating for something you're truly passionate about and seeing it benefit those in your community right? And those that you care for. And so I think that this is exactly what we talk about when I know Katie and I will speak to students, you know, I might go to schools and talk to students or speak to new hires or new grads in our system that come in and they are, you know, why is it like this or that? And, and, you know, we're very forthright with, listen, you know, be a part of the change, be a part of the front lines and your legislators need to hear your voice because only you can tell your story and your lived experience and those are the stories that they want to hear and they want to hear about how this changed and i could do this and this is the impact it made on my neighbors on my patients on my family you know on myself and so that is the most important piece to all this that everyone's voice needs to be heard And the PA voice, especially in a lot of these spaces, needs to be telling the story versus someone else who may not be having that same experience or maybe a skewed experience for whatever reason, telling us a narrative that's not quite true or actually not true. So it is important for people to get involved and to have their voice heard. Well, that's fantastic. 
Is there anything that you felt I should ask that I haven't asked or anything that you want to tell any PA that might be listening? Well, I want to tell all Texas PAs to become a member of TAPA. I think one of the greatest values that TAPA brings to its members is its advocacy and outreach efforts. This is where palpable change happens for practicing PAs is through this work to allow us to, you know, work to the top of our license and truly the top of our training, right? Um, We are a well-trained profession, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. It it seems to only get better considering those PA students that we had um, with us at PA Day at the Capitol. They're incredible. And I would encourage all of you to go ahead and visit tapa.org. Visit our advocacy central site. Um, There's a great link there where you can sign up if you're, as all of us are, busy and you might not have that five to 10 hours a week of bandwidth. Well, you know what? Sign up for a grassroots advocacy outreach network so we can get you connected with your local legislators and share your story with those legislators so they can really hear the true you know, narrative of what it is to be a PA and how we positively impact our patients every single day. Yeah, I love that. I, I completely echo that, that I think that, you know, Katie and I talk about being working moms and quite busy. And, you know, I think that the beautiful thing too about TAPA, which I love, is that you can get involved with whatever time that you have. I think that's always what we've tried to stress people with advocacy, right? Is that if you have time every week or you have bandwidth or you're in a season where you want to step up, great. We've got spots for you and you can always call Katie and I and we'll plug you in wherever you want to be plugged in, right? If you say, you know what, Monica, I just, I've birthed five children in the last five years. First off, God bless you. Secondly, great. You know, either donate to the pack or join a committee and you can do as you can, or just join the grassroots advocacy like Katie's saying. And when you get an email with a call to action, send something into your legislator. Done. That's all you have to do, you know, or repost something on social media, tag your friends and say, hey, contact your legislator. It can be as simple as that, or it can be running for a board position. It it runs the gamut. And we all have different seasons and and bandwidth in those. And so that's the wonderful thing about TAPA. You can get in as little or as much involved as you want, and it can fluctuate over the years. Yeah. And I think we'll be sure to put all of that information in the show notes around donating to the PAC, how to become a member of TAPA, and like Monica said, all that great kind of outreach work. Well, that's awesome. I I totally appreciate you joining us. Both of you amazing PAs and true Texans. I just want to say that right now. So, uh, (laughs) Texas has adopted us and we... (laughs) Texas is lucky to have you. Okay, that's the God's... (laughs) Monica and Katie, thanks again for joining us. And thanks to everyone for listening to TAPA Talks. Join us each month as we take a look at the professional lives of those that focus on improving the health of all Texans. We'd like to extend a special thank you to our episode sponsor, hcv.com, presented by Adby Medical Affairs. For more information, feel free to visit their website at hcv.com. And be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you'd like more information about the Texas Academy of PAs, be sure to visit us online at tapa.org. See you next time.